Hi, friends. Today on the Successfulish podcast, we're talking to AMP Academy owner and best selling author Joshua Amarello about how to successfully parkour in a matter of speaking, answering questions like, what exactly is parkour? Is it like what they're doing in the show, The Office? How do you decide to get from point A to point B? What do you do if you're too afraid to try? Or if you try and fail, how do you get over that fear and do it again? And why is the word try maybe not a great word to use? As always, we try to keep our conversations uninterrupted because we like it that way. If you would like to help keep it that way, you can support our podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash successfulish slash support. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Successfulish. I'm Sarah Michelle. And today on the podcast, I'm talking to Josh Amarello. We are going to be talking about parkour and creatively getting from one place to another, uh, as well as some other related topics. So, a little bit about Josh. Josh was born to a poor family and raised in the economically stunted city of Fall River, Massachusetts. He's a serial entrepreneur, real estate investor, and author of the best selling book, Empowering Children for Success a guide for coaches, mentors, teachers, and parents. He's a keynote speaker who presents the parkour mindset at elementary, middle, and high schools to teach kids about resiliency and tenacity and to show them that it's never a question of whether you can or can't. It's just a matter of how you're going to. And I love that. And that's what we are all about here. I think adults need to know that as well. So Josh, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. So I usually share how I've met guests and I wasn't really (laughs) sure how to introduce how Josh and I met. So we actually met through a dating app and kind of depressingly funny. We talked a little bit and we both had this moment, I think of being really excited, like, oh my God, another business owner and they write books and like they speak and, you know, we're both like on this same life path and they get it. And then we also had the moment of like, Ugh, like, do I really want to drive two hours to try to date someone? Like I got a business to run. I put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this business. Um, so we kind of both ended up picking career first and have formed sort of a long distance, uh, entrepreneurial friendship as a result. Um, but I think it's tough when you are, I think that the, I don't know. I used to have this idea that like, if you were a really cool person, everyone would just want to date you. Dating would be so easy because you'd be so awesome. And I feel like it's the opposite that like the cooler you are and the more successful you are, the harder it is to find a date. Like, has that been your experience? I have, I I have had that experience. I've been told a lot that I'm, um, intimidating, which Mm. I'm like me, I'm intimidating. (laughs) You see the smile. That's not intimidating. (laughs) Super friendly. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I've been told that it takes a lot of confidence to date people like us who are, who have such high ambitions. Um, and a lot of people are just kind of content doing whatever it is that they're doing. So when they run into people like us who are like really trying everything we can to constantly be growing and being the best version of ourselves, not just in our own interpersonal lives, but also in our uh, business lives and like financially and everything. Um, it can be scary for people, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely was, hard. <laughs> it was really surprising to me. It was kind of eye opening because I got that when I first started online dating. And I, I mean, not that I dated a ton in the past, but I never had an issue with it. I was had like, I don't mean to sound arrogant. I just, there was always plenty of interest that wasn't the problem. And then when I started dating, I was going out with people and I was getting that feedback that I was intimidating or that I was um, too aggressive, which I think is just a really negative spin on being ambitious mm. and driven. Uh, so ladies out there, don't don't be dating the bitches who tell you that, you know, you're too aggressive because you actually want to do something with your life besides make pot roast. Side note. Yeah, I'm all on board with that. <laughs> but it was interesting because I had heard from someone that I should change my job title 
because on the dating profile I had that I was a CEO, which is technically true. I'm the CEO of my company. And so Mm -hmm. I changed it to business owner and I got a few more dates and then I changed it to marketing and it blew up. And I was like, seriously, like, really people won't go on dates with someone because they have a successful job title. Like that's a real thing. Well, I think frustratingly, uh, there's a lot of sexism that's behind that too, because I think, I don't think I would have as much trouble having like business owner or CEO, but a woman having it, oh my God, guys can't, you can't date someone who's more successful than you. Like, ah, it's insane, man. It, it's, it's gotta be infuriating. Like, for you. <laughs> it's, it's confusing to me, like, and a little frustrating. And I, I was actually listening to a podcast with Joe Rogan and Miley Cyrus from years ago. And I'm a big Miley fan. I just think she's fascinating, but she was talking about how she doesn't really like to date celebrities because she doesn't want to be celebrity, I guess, uh, air quote, um, she likes to try to date normal people. And she was expressing that she gets a lot of feedback from people who tell her that like, she's too hard or she's too rough or she's too scary or intimidating or masculine. And, um, she was talking about how a lot of people like try to keep her from success. Like they don't like that. She makes more money than them. They don't like that. She has more success and fame. And Joe Rogan was like, doesn't sound like a you problem kind of sounds like you need to stop dating bitches. Like you need to date some men who actually can grow a pair and handle being with Miley Cyrus. Um, Mm -hmm. but it is really interesting. Like, I feel like for, for a lot of us, there's this feeling that just these weird dynamics around success. Like if someone else is successful, that somehow makes us not successful or not enough. It like ignites this weird competition. And I don't know if it's, it's like a weird thing where instead of, I feel like you can either react when you're with someone who's more successful, it's either going to push you to get on their level, or Mm -hmm. it's going to make you like one of those little crabs where you just want to pull them back to yours. Like, how, how has that experience been for you in terms of like, cause you're very, you're super ambitious. You are a lot like I am where you just have so many different talents and you have like, you own your own studio that you built like mostly yourself, super impressively. And you are after music and you play drums and guitar. And like, there's just so many different things. Like, how do you find in your friendships and how do you manage that? of Like finding friends that aren't going to try to pull you down. You know, I, that's actually really interesting. I personally have never experienced anyone actually trying to hold me back. Um, And I don't know why that is. I think probably because I constantly try to build everyone else up that maybe I've just, maybe I've just gotten lucky or maybe that's part of it. I will say that um, when we were building out the new space, I had a couple of friends here on like the night before we were opening um, to finish up some last stuff. And my buddy kind of jokingly was like, man, I need to get less ambitious friends. <laughs> He's like, I'm always helping you move something big or like <laughs> doing all this work for no reason. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think if you encourage other people, then other people are more likely to encourage you. I've always, I've always felt the idea of, treating others, obviously the way that you want to be treated. And if others don't treat you that way, then you still treat them with respect. And then, you know, you just don't put effort into being around them. if They're not going to be supportive. Yeah. I think a lot of it too, for me, comes down to confidence and mindset where I, it's almost hard for me sometimes to be around people who don't have the same ambition because I don't want to come off like I'm arrogant. And I don't know if that's a gender thing. Like if women just have that more ingrained where it's like, I feel like I have to be nice and polite and inclusive and I don't want to leave anyone behind. And so I, I had a pattern of without realizing it, trying to kind of drag people through the ambition with me. Mm-hmm. And then realizing like not everybody wants to be their best. Like some people want to stay behind. And I think that's a hard reality because I don't know that I've ever met anyone who has said, yes, I like complacency. I like being below my best self. 
But I think there's almost this, um, it's a really hard thing to admit to ourselves. And I think there's a lot of people who think that they want to be great, but really they just want the result of being great. They don't actually want to do the work. Yeah. And yeah. that's a, that's a tough reality. Like, especially cause I just, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a home where perfect was good enough. Like that was kind of the standard. <laughs> so like, if you got an A, it wasn't good job. It was, you did your job, you know, yeah. like that was, was kind of, <laughs> yeah, that was like how I grew up. And so I'm sort of, I don't know how much is attributed to that or how much is just my natural wiring, but like, I constantly want to be a better version of myself and mm -hmm. not in a way that I like hate on myself or I'm not okay where I am, but like, I just always feel like I can do better. And so it's really hard for me to wrap my head around. Like there are people who don't think like that. Yeah. I, you know, it's this thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately um, is the idea of Sometimes I feel like I'm doing more than a lot of other people, right? Sometimes I feel like a god among men, right? But then other times I'm like, I'm still a piece of garbage. Like I haven't done, I'm not Elon Musk. I haven't done all these great things, like, but all my, but I've done more things than most people my age or, or uh, I'm more ambitious than, than a lot of the people around me. And it's, it's a weird the weird dynamic because yeah. you feel good about your accomplishments, but there's always that, that little bit of looking at your accomplishments and wondering why you didn't do better or how you aren't further along or, or something like that. And I don't know what that is, but it's something that I've been trying to work through. <laughs> there's well, gotta be a happy middle ground. I think that that's a lot of retraining just because I think we're in a society that views success like a destination like you're just someday going to make it. And I don't know why it's so hard to get through our heads that that's not a thing, that it's just a journey, but also it's a creative thing. Like, I don't know any creative who can paint the best masterpiece or write the best music or whatever it is creatively. And they hate it afterwards. Like a lot of creatives don't listen to their own music. They don't watch their movies. They don't read their books. And I think that's a very much a creative tendency of like really loving the creative process, but you're also growing through it. So by the time you're at mm -hmm. the end of it, you're so far ahead of where you were when you started that you're like, oh, well, that's rubbish. I can do better than that. And then we're ready to create the next thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's weird looking back and seeing what you've done in the past. And it's something that you were proud of in the past that you were like, look, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then you look back and it's like, God, what was I thinking? I can't believe I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I remembered who said it. Um, but there was a quote that someone said that was basically, if you can't look back at the former version of your work and feel embarrassment, you're doing it wrong. Like you should constantly be iterating. Um, but then also it's a balance of like, you need to constantly be iterating and growing, but also not let that stop you from putting yourself out there. I think it can right. go on the other side where it's just never good enough. So you never put yourself out there and you have to be okay with being seen starting small. Yep. Like what, what is that? process been like for you? Cause you've done a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. And I imagine that unless, unless you came from like really good money and won the lottery and had like a dad with a MBA or something, like you probably just didn't jump right into success. So what yeah. has that been like for you sort of starting small and being willing to put yourself out there and build up a reputation with your skills? Um. You know, my, so I was homeschooled, right? I was homeschooled for 10 years. Um, my mom uh, was a high school dropout. She had gotten her GED and then she started homeschooling me and my brother. And when we were being homeschooled, uh, she didn't know most of the stuff that we were supposed to be learning. Uh, so she kind of gave us books and was like, here, read this and learn. Um, and I think it was through that process that I realized that no education is wasted. 
every single thing that we learn, we can use for something else. So every single thing that we experience, we should be digging to gain the most out of it that we possibly can because we're going to use that information in some way in the future. Um, so my whole life, I've tried to, I've tried to learn as much as I can about every single situation that I'm ever in. Right. So I was, uh, I worked at Walmart from actually, I was like 12 years old. I worked at a bookstore and then I got a job as a warehouse worker in, uh, when I was 13, uh, at a flooring company. And then I moved to the estimating department because I wanted to be an architect. And I got like, I was slowly getting closer to that. Um, and then I worked at Walmart, became a manager super quickly. And then, and as the whole time, as I'm going through this, I'm like, I'm learning interpersonal skills. I'm learning how to work with other people, especially like being a 17 year old with 62 year old employees. Like they didn't like that. <laughs> people weren't a fan of that. Um, so you, you have to learn to communicate in, in different ways and interact with other people. And it's fascinating how much those things translate into like the business world as you're creating a business. And even, um, even when I, when I went to, uh, college and graduated with the degree in English, writing rhetoric and communications, because that was going to be the big thing for me. I was like, I want to be an author. Originally I wanted to get a degree as an architect, but um, it was too expensive. Like I said, I was poor. <laughs> what is I going to do? Um, so, but then I ended up getting a job as an architectural consultant. And then I got a job as a design engineer. And I used all that information to help me draw blueprints and open one of my uh, side businesses where I do drafting work for people. Um, and having that experience also allowed me to do all the blueprints for Amp Academy to build and design everything myself because I understand structure and structural integrity uh, more specifically and how to build things. So again, just like digging into everything and not like getting super deep into it, but anything you're experiencing, like what can I gain from this? And that's why actually at the end of all our classes here uh, at Amp Academy, um, we always, we always sit down with our students and it's like, all right, what did you learn today? And, you know, we could be doing an obstacle that we've done a hundred times, but the kids every single time are encouraged to be like, all right, what's one new thing that I learned? What thing did I fail at? Uh, what worked? What didn't work? What did I see other people doing that I was or wasn't doing? Oh, that person was able to do it because they tried this. Let me try that. Right. And it's the idea of observing and taking it and seeing how you can incorporate it into your own life. Yeah. Well, I think that's super important. And I think for many of us, it's just, it's a natural tendency to think about someday and to not realize that we're already in it. Someday and, now. <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point to realize like a lot of times, because we feel like it's not the path we're supposed to be on, or we feel like it's not where we're going, I think we diminish a lot of stepping stones and a lot of our success and failure really comes down to attitude. And I, I think about like, to your point, a lot of these skill sets that have helped me become good at what I do came from things that had nothing to do with advertising. It came from waitressing and learning how to keep a smile on when you are talking to an absolute shit person. And it came from um, like working at a gym. I know I've, I've shared that when, you know, my ex left and took everything, like I ended up working at a gym for like 12 bucks an hour and feeling like a failure, but that sales training I use constantly in my business. I use it to help my clients. I've crafted my own sales process largely based off of that. And now I get to charge a lot of money for it because I have that expertise. <laughs> so I think it's super important to, to appreciate exactly where we're at in life. And I want to talk a little bit about your studio and where you're at. Um, but before the conversation gets too much further away from us, what is something that you failed at this week? What is something that you tried and are figuring out? Um, keeping up on emails. 
And, and I think the reason is obviously we just went through a big move. Um, we moved through a blizzard, which like the, the bomb cyclone that happened a couple of weeks ago in New England. We ended up like moving the business during that storm. Um, and just because there was such a tight timeline, uh, I kind of let some things slip. And what I've been realizing as I kind of like go through this in my mind is uh, letting things off my plate, giving them to other people. So that way I can focus on the things that I need to do. There was, um, oh, I think it was, I think it was the four hour week, uh, work week that said, um, the business only the business owner should only do what only the business owner can do uh and it's like other people can respond to emails or like other people can do these other things so i i should be uh i failed at trusting my staff my team to uh take things off my it's tough to delegate like it's really tough especially when you have a type of personality where you really care deeply about what you do like to trust that someone else is going to care as much as you do. Like what kind of vetting process do you put in when you're hiring people to ensure that you can feel safe hiring a team and actually trusting them to do whatever it was that you hired them for? So that's actually, it's a really interesting question. And I think, I think my process here is slightly different than it would be in another business because what we do here is so uh, like it's so specific and you need to have the skills to do the movement arts that we do before I can even consider hiring you, right? So there's plenty of people who would be fantastic employees, but if they can't do what we can do, then like doesn't work. Um, so the process that I kind of use is we have people come in, they train, they, they're students first, uh, and then once they've been here for four or five years and they've, they've got the skills for it, I've gotten to know them as a person. It's like a four year interview process where they're paying me <laughs> to interview them. You know what I mean? Um, but that's kind of, that's kind of where, where things are going now. I did, um, I did hire three people who, uh, you know, we talked about it's, it's mostly their passion behind uh, behind the art, their passion behind the art, their passion behind helping children, making sure that Amp Academy's ideals align with theirs. Because for us, like people always say that we're a gym, right? Because we we do all these physical fitness things. Uh, and there's a lot of parkour gyms, Ninja Warrior gyms, those places exist. But we are specifically an academy because our focus isn't on the fitness element, our focus is on the educational piece. And it's not just like, you know, this is how carbs work. This is how calories work. Like I personally, I don't care about that. What I care about is teaching kids to not get stuck in that mindset of, I can't do something right. It's, it's like you said in the introduction, like there, it's not a matter of whether you can or can't, it's a matter of how you're going to. And that's the idea of, uh, of what we do here. So explain a little bit for anyone who doesn't know um, what parkour is exactly. And I'll be honest, like all I know of parkour really was the episode of The Office where they all just ran around (laughs) from desk to desk yelling parkour. Um, So I, I do remember, I feel like I was in college maybe when that was a big trend. And I remember YouTube clips. And just not really getting it. And then when we met and I found out that you like did that professionally, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like I I wasn't sure if it was a joke. Like some people put, I don't know, some people think that they're funny (laughs) in their profiles. And I'm like, hey, I am funny. (laughs) Is he being funny that he's a professional parkourist? Like that's a thing. And if you follow Josh on Instagram, um, the videos are really entertaining and it is a thing. There are like a professional parkourist. So break it down mm-hmm. for us. What is parkour? All right. So I'll kind of give you the, the base definition of it. And then I'm going to kind of go a little bit on a tangent about some differences between what people actually think it is versus what it actually is. 
um, parkour is the art of fluid motion. It's getting from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible. All about efficiency. So instead of like going around a banister uh, and like going up this ramp, you just go over the rails, right? And then, and then there's different ways to go over it and which one is more, more efficient. Um, so that's parkour. Then there's free running, which is a sister sport of parkour. Um, and free running is basically, it's the art of expression through movement. So this is the one where it's more about creativity, right? You're trying to come up with different ways to use a space. Um, free running can come in like a couple different ways. Like it can be parkour plus flips, or it can just be expression, you know? Um, so uh, the office definitely uh, did some, some good work in spreading what parkour is. Um, and so did Ripley's Believe It or Not way back in, I think, 2001, which is when I uh, had first learned of parkour. But yeah, so it's, parkour is a movement, but it's mostly, it's mostly about breaking mental barriers more than anything else. There's, there's like a philosophy behind parkour that's outside of the physical movement part of it. And people only see the physical movement part of it unless they're part of the community where, where we talk about, like, there's a way to do everything. Let's figure it out. So where did parkour start? Like, do you know the, the origin history of who decided to make this a thing? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, here's the crazy thing is parkour has always kind of existed, right? Like we've all, we've all run and jumped and climbed walls or jumped over fences or like, we've all done these things as kids. Um, but it was kind of formalized into the art that it is by David Bell, uh, in France, his father, uh, worked with the, uh, the French special forces and he ended up, and this is my understanding of the history. So if I get something a little bit off, please don't, don't uh, berate me in the comments. <laughs> but so David Bell was, uh, his father was a French uh, special forces officer and he ended up teaching David Bell how to do a bunch of these cool special forces things. And David Bell showed seven of his friends uh, or six of his friends, I think there were seven total. Um, and they ended up coming up with this group of people called the Yamakaze who uh, basically just ran around and used these special forces movements of like how to climb up on top things. And they started challenging each other, like, Oh, can you jump this gap? Oh, can you do like this cool flow thing? Um, and then from there, uh, Sebastian Foucault, which I may have pronounced terribly wrong because I'm not French. Um, but he kind of branched off and developed free running. So David Bell is like the founding father of parkour, which is the very, the very strict movement based efficiency art. And then free running is the more expressive thing starts it starts becoming more about flow and creativity so but yeah so, it all happened in, in france and i think it was like 1995 where it started to really um, develop so who defines efficiency because i was not under the impression that parkour was about efficiency i thought it was about finding like the most long non-efficient creative way to get from point a to point b so i was totally wrong in what i thought parkour was but like to your point of efficiency of feeling like it's more efficient to, you know, go down the railing or jump across the buildings. Like I would imagine that depends on your skill set. Like if you're Spider-Man, then sure, it's more efficient to jump over a building. If you're me, that's going to take me three times as long because I'm going to be a wuss about it. I am probably going <laughs> to miss and then have to like rock climb my way back up. So who defines efficiency? Like when it comes to parkour, is that something that really is intimate and up to the person doing it? Or is it about an objectively efficient way and you learning how to channel your inner Spider-Man? <laughs> so, so that's kind of why I wanted to differentiate the two because free running is what you're thinking. Free running, like your base definition that you mentioned at the beginning is free running, like pretty much to a T. Um, so we start talking about parkour and it being more about efficiency. Who defines what efficiency is? Each, there's an, there's an optimal path, right? Nobody can say which path is the optimal path. But 
I'm going to be able to do something easier than like one of my students. One of my students might have to go a different path. Some of my uh, students or even my um, other instructors have uh, better abilities than I do at certain things. Like I don't like running across rails. I don't enjoy it. But I have people who like rails are their thing. So with me, I'm like, cool, like I'll do some bar stuff and I'll get across it that way. Uh, and other people will be like, well, I'm just going to run across the top of the rails. They're going to get there faster because it's more efficient for them because they're comfortable with it because they've trained it more than I have. For me, it's going to be faster to do it my way because I'm not going to bail and like smash my face on a, on a rail. You know what I mean? Um, so, but then there's, there's like the efficiency of movement, time, and uh, strength and energy, right? So can, can I get from here to here in two seconds? Probably, but how much effort am I putting in? Like if I put one burst of effort in versus like I walk from here to there. And it and it takes less energy. You know what I mean? Like efficiency is a weird it's a weird thing because there's a bunch of ways to define. Well, and I feel like when I think about efficiency, sometimes I think it's about changing our understanding of it, where it might feel like a lot more work up front, but it's going to make a lifelong efficiency. And I mean, I run into that all the time with branding and marketing. You know, a lot of businesses that want to just pay for advertising when they need it because that's the quick impulse thing, but they got to go back to the drawing board every time they do it. And a lot of businesses, especially small businesses, they don't want to put the time into creating a brand. They're like, I can't, I can't not get clients for a month. I can't invest a month of time in my business. It's like, well, you can either invest a month of time in now and make a plan, have a business plan, have a blueprint, figure out what you're doing, or you can spend brain power forever. Every time Mm -hmm. you do something, having to rethink a strategy and not really learning from your mistakes because you're not tracking them. So I feel like a lot of efficiency, even if you're thinking about something like parkour or free running, I would imagine the more time you spend in the gym, like learn, or even outside, like learning how to run, lifting weights, Mm -hmm. eating healthy. Like if you invest that time into making yourself stronger, faster, better, you're going to be more efficient at getting places in the long run. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about front loading the work, right? Like you're, if you can just open a business and, and pray, (laughs) not how I would do it. It's like writing the book, right? There are people, there are two different kinds of writers. There are free writers and then there are outliners. Uh, I'm very much an outliner because if I free write, I'm going to waste so much time because my brain is going to go all kinds of places that I don't want it to go, right? Whereas if I'm like, all right, take the time to outline and now I'm like, I know exactly what path I'm going for. Now I can just keep to that structure. and It's, it's easy, right? Uh, backing in versus pulling in when you're driving. Like you pull in, sure, it was faster to get in, but now when you leave, now you can't see where you're going, right? Now you're like, you've got cars on either side and you kind of have to like back up and like try to figure out if someone's going to plow into you from behind, you know, versus you back in. And then when it's time to go, you just pull out and you can see everything, right? When you're backing in, you can see everything. So either way, you're going to have to back up. Either way, you're going to have to do something. Why make it more challenging on yourself to make the now easier? Do what's hard first. so when it comes down to it, you're like, cool, now it's easy. You plan ahead. So that way, when there's a time crunch at the end, now you're not screwed. You're like, cool, good thing I spent two months planning because now I have a week left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of people don't, don't take that time. Like me learning parkour on my own without an instructor. I mean, it took me, took me, over a decade to get good to a point where somebody who's been taking classes for like three years will be where I was after 10. You know what I mean? Right. 
So how did you get into your profession? Like what started this and how did you, how did you get into it? And then how did you decide one day, you know what, I'm just going to like build a studio from scratch. And side note, when he talks about like building a studio and changing studios, it's really not giving it credit because I wasn't there, but like even just watching the videos on Instagram, like y'all, he like built a studio like from nothing with the, the wood and the bricks <laughs> and like building equipment and bars and like that process alone was fascinating. But then you had a car accident and we're like, like in really bad shape. And then still like not that much longer. We're like, well, I'm just going to go back and finish building a studio. <laughs> like, let me just throw this together. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. So that was really impressive. And I think a testament to work ethic that <laughs> success does not just come from like showing up and letting it happen. Um, I think very much the reason that you are successful is because you work your ass off. Like that's very evident. <laughs> um, but how did you get into parkour and how did you reach the point of deciding that this is what you were going to do with your life? So man, that's, it's, it's a crazy path to get to the answer of that question. Um, I, so in 2001, I saw, uh, the Ripley's Believe It or Not episode with the Yamakaises in there. And I was like, yo, this is super cool. Like, I want to do this. Uh, so I started looking for schools online, um, and they didn't exist because parkour was so new. Um, and even if they had, my parents were poor. I couldn't even take martial arts when I was younger. Like I wasn't able to do anything. Um, so I was like, ah, bummer. Like I'll never be able to do that. And then I was playing tag with my neighbors and my brother. And I saw him vault over a fence, which is basically like jump over a fence using only his hands. His feet didn't even touch it. And I was like, how did you just do that? That's crazy. I want to be able to do that. He didn't take classes for it. He just did it. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I can, I can do things on my own and learn and figure it out on my own. So that's kind of how, that's what got me into parkour. Um, and then the thing that, the thing that got me into opening this place was, um, I, for anyone who's ever played Tekken, there's a character called, uh, Eddie Gordo and he does a martial art called Capoeira. Um, and so I always played Eddie Gordo. Everyone who bought and mashed always played Eddie Gordo because it's the easiest one. You destroy anyone with Eddie Gordo. <laughs> but uh, so I was in New Bedford in Massachusetts uh, with some friends and I saw a Capoeira demonstration and I was like, oh, that's super cool. That was on a Thursday night. And then uh, when I was going to college at UMass, I saw a general interest flyer for Capoeira uh, on Tuesday and it was free classes. And me, as like a poor kid who like <laughs> never was able to do martial arts or anything, I was like, free martial arts? Yo, let's go. So, uh, so, but I was nervous to go to the class. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, one of my best friends still to this day, um, ended up encouraging me. She's like, if you want to do it, you should go do it. And I was like, nah, I'm nervous. Like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to know anyone there. Like, I'm like way older because I didn't start going to college until I was 23. So I was like, I'm way older than everyone that's going to be there. It's going to be weird. And she was like, no, you should go. So I went. Let me tell you, going that day, like, changed my entire life. Because uh, going to that Capoeira class is what ended up introducing me to uh, my Capoeira Mestre Chigri down in uh, Warwick at New Wave Martial Arts and Fitness. And seeing what he does with the Warwick community, uh, I was like, this is amazing. Like, I, I want to be able to give this to people like me because when I was younger nobody none of my friends wanted to do parkour none of my friends wanted to like do all this cool stuff all this stuff that I thought was awesome like, this is so cool none of my friends cared so I wanted to build a place where people could go to meet like-minded people uh and so as a design engineer I spent hours and hours and hours building the business in 3d like doing all the drawings blueprints and building it in 3d and slowly convincing myself that it was possible um that it was something that i could do 
And then uh, my brother again ended up giving me a little push because he was like, when you're, my brother's a real estate agent, or he was at the time. Now he's a real estate mentor. Um, but at the time he was like, when you're ready to, to open a place, let me know. And I had asked him like three months earlier. I was like, hey man, I need help finding a place. He's like, when you're serious, let me know. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I'm serious. Let's go. <laughs> Find me a place. Uh, and I think it was, it was that like me, it was him saying, let me know when you're serious. That made me be like, all right, I got to like really be serious about this. Like really prove that I'm serious about this. Um, and that, that was like the final push, uh, that got me to the point of actually opening the space. Um, so I think others doubting me uh, was the motivation to move forward. <laughs> yeah, that can be a good motivator to say. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, you don't believe me? Pro watch this. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's almost like, I, for me, it's a lot of um, not wanting to be a fraud. Like if oh, I fear say, of <laughs> yeah, like if I say something, and there's so many pie crusts in today's society, like it's just way too common to the whole like we should hang out sometime and then it never happens, or like getting ghosted, not just by dates, mm -hmm. but like employers do it, clients do it. Like it's become a normal, it's become so normal that ghosted is in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. Like I find that very upsetting. That should not be normal behavior. A little crazy. <laughs> um, but I think there's just so much flakiness where it's almost like if people tell me they're going to do something, I don't even really believe it anymore. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's nice. Like, and then if people actually do it, I'm like, oh my God, they did it. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm like so turned on and so excited. Like, oh my God, like they're amazing. I can't believe they did what they said they were going to do, which should be the basic yeah. bar. So yeah. for me, that's a lot of my motivation of like, if I've put myself out there and I've said something, I'm going to do my darndest to make it happen. And if I can't make it happen, or if I decide that I need to quit, I'm going to have a good reason for it. I'm going to address yeah. it. I can't just like let it fall. And, and that's the thing that I, I kind of force myself into also, like I will tell people my plans mm. just to be held accountable. I'm like, oh yeah, no, we're going to be in the new space February 2nd. And then the blizzard comes and people are like, oh, are you postponing? I'm like, no, nah, man, I said February 2nd. Like, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> like, I'll figure it out. I don't know how, but I made a commitment. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, and I think the more, the, the best thing that I can tell anyone who at least has a mindset like I do is tell everyone your plan. Yes. Tell people what you're going to do, because the more people that know what you're going to do, first of all, people are going to uh, encourage you. They're going to be naysayers who are like, ah, it's never going to work, whatever. Ignore them. Uh, the, there are going to be people who are like, oh, you know what? I have somebody who, uh, who can do the shirts for you that you need made. I have somebody who, uh, who has a space that I know is for rent. Like, oh, my buddy owns this building. He's been looking to fill it. Like, the more people, this is why, <laughs> this is why the secret works, where it's like you put something out into the universe and then everyone knows about it. And now everyone's like, oh, I can help you with that. And if you don't talk about it, then nobody knows and nobody can help you. And so you're doing it on your own. If you tell other people, now everyone's, everyone's like, hey, how's that going? Oh, that reminds me. Oh, you're having a problem in this arena. Check it out. I have this person that can help you out with that. So Bye. I half agree with that. I do very much believe in putting stuff out there. I think that um, I don't necessarily follow like every aspect of manifestation, but I do think there's something very powerful to putting out what you want to making it known. You're a lot more likely to get the help you need to your point. But I also kind of agree with, I think it's Sarah Blakely who talks about being stingy with your plans. I don't know that I agree with telling everyone what I'm doing because I, I remember she was talking one time about how, um, if she had told people what she was doing, she wouldn't have done it because at the point that she did tell people she was already doing it. And everyone was like, 
well, so you're just going to cut the feet off pantyhose. Like if that was a good idea, someone else would have done it. You're never going to make money. People are going to knock you off. And if she had listened to that, she would not be a billionaire right now with a hugely successful company. So I feel like I half agree with what you're saying of like inviting other people in, having accountability. But I also feel like, I feel like it's better to tell people what you're already doing rather than to tell them what you plan to do. Like I need to already at least be committed enough that I'm not going to let naysayers stop me from doing it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. And that's, that's why I said like people with, with my mindset where like specifically no, when I, when I decide I'm going to do something like people can't stop me from doing it, you know? Um, if you are the type of person who, who is easily swayed to back down, then yeah, probably be a little more cautious with that. Um, I still say that, I still say that sharing, maybe not all of the details, but communicating what you're working on, at least to maybe just a, a tighter audience of people who like other business owners who are like, oh, all right, cool. Like, like my community of, of people that I've helped open businesses, like we all will do anything we can to make your dream a success. That's what we do, you know? Um, so if you're surrounded by people that are not like that, yeah, be careful what you say. But, yeah. I, it's uh, a lot of discernment, I think, in being able to, to discern the right people and also the right time to tell people. Um, and that can be tough, especially depending on where you're at. Like, I know there's so many stories of people who grow up um, in impoverished neighborhoods or in minority neighborhoods. And I think I've been very fortunate in that regard, but even for me, like when my life fell apart and I ended up in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to like poop on the state. Connecticut is a beautiful place, um, but it is not the place for, to be single in your thirties and try to grow a business. Mm -hmm. It's not the, this is where you come after you've already had the opportunities in New York and Boston and you're tired of the ambition and you just want like a little cute house where you have to drive <laughs> 30 minutes to go to the grocery store and like you wave yeah. to your neighbors. Like, yeah. um, so it can be really difficult and challenging. Like, have you ever struggled with finding a community or is that something that has just come naturally for you? You mean a community of like, uh, positive like-minded like people. Culture. Yeah. Like, cause where I'm at, um, it's really difficult. Like I, I live in a beautiful place, but th- there's no one around. And like the average age is 50 mm-hmm. to 70. So in terms of business networking and like, yeah, aspirations, let's get it. I really have to go outside of where I'm at. Like I've had to work really hard on LinkedIn and digital. I've had to travel a lot to Boston and New York and other places, So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not that it's impossible. It's just, I'm not surrounded by people who think like me and I've had to work really hard. And even where I grew up, I mean, I grew up, um, in California, so it was different geography wise, but just, I was wired very differently from the people Mm -hmm. that I was around. I've just, I think differently. I see the world differently. So that can be a challenge to try to find a community that thinks the same way I do. So is that like, how do you find your people? Um, I kind of built it like in the same way that like building Amp Academy was to build a place where people could do this thing. Um, I had friends who were like, you know, I've been thinking about opening up one of my, one of my best friends. He actually did all the plumbing uh, here for the the new building. Um, Chris Lang from Precision Piping. He's awesome. Um, and I remember, was it six years ago uh, when I had just opened Amp Academy? He's like, hey, man, like really inspirational. I really appreciate it. I've, I've been thinking about going off on my own and doing this. And I was like, sweet, let's go. Like, I will help you every step of the way. Let's make this happen. Um, and I think for me, I got lucky that there were people who would bring up 
that they had a dream because this is the thing. I think everybody has dreams. I think we all have these things like, yo, it would be really cool if I did this. But then there's, there's people who have those thoughts and then there's people who pursue those thoughts, right? And sometimes it just takes one person in the middle to take somebody from this category and drop them into the other. Uh, and so if you can be that person, then you'll build a community around that. Um, and then there are, there are also other cheat codes where like uh, my brother runs um, uh, Alchemist University, right? Where he basically helps other people grow their businesses. Uh, and so once you pay for that mentorship, now you have access to all of his students who are all other business owners who are also willing to invest time and money into growing their businesses. So now it's almost like you're not really paying for the education you get, you're paying for the network that you have, right? So you can do that also. Um, and then everybody ends up being accountability partners in there. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a million ways to do it, but it's definitely not easy if you're, if you don't know where to look. One of my favorite things to do when I first started too was uh, go to a small business and ask to talk to the owner. And then just like, be like, hey man, I know you're probably busy, but like, is there a day where I can take you out to lunch? And you take that person out to lunch and be like, hey, so like, how did you start this business? What did you, what were the biggest pitfalls? What did you do that you wish you hadn't? What did you not do that you wish you had, right? And just kind of like, have a cool, friendly conversation with this person. As business owners, me, myself, I love to talk about everything that I've done. And in my experience, so do they, because they're like, they're like, man, somebody actually cares about the process that I went through. Super cool. Uh, so they want to share it. Like, un unless you're opening a competitive business to them, like they're going to want to help you, you know, especially if it's an older an older generation and they're like cool like the new young generation like i remember being 30 34 or whatever and uh, and and wanting to open my own place like i want to help this kid out you know yeah it's so true people are so generous with their knowledge and people like to talk about themselves and to yep. the the <laughs> earlier point that we were talking about i think that i think that many successful people are seen as more successful than they feel Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of people that I have felt like, well, I can't, I can't talk to them. They're way more successful and cooler than I am. They're so intimidating. And then when I do reach out and talk to them, they're so excited that they like that someone wants to talk to them because everyone else leaves them alone because they're afraid of them. And right. even, um, being on the flip side of that, like I had a college kid message me on LinkedIn and that was like one of my proudest moments. <laughs> of this little kid reaching out and being like, hi, I just wanted, I was challenged to talk to successful business owners and wondered if I could have a minute of your time. And it's like, oh my God, someone wants a minute of my time. I've made oh my it. God, like, you think I'm a successful business owner? Yeah, like it was so exciting. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about decision-making and how that translates to our life. Because when you think about something like core, which is like the most efficient route to something free running, which is the most creative route to something. There's a lot of different options. And I feel like sometimes in life, the best thing to do is to be efficient. Sometimes the best thing is to be inefficient, but to be creative and really enjoy the process. And I also think that there's a balance of risk and reward. I think that there is an aspect of really having to know yourself well enough to know what situations do you need to take a risk and what situations would it be really stupid for you to take a risk because you're going to get really hurt? Um, whether it's physically like, you know, knowing that maybe a certain kid shouldn't try jumping from one building to another and yep. maybe another <laughs> one can. So like all of those little micro decisions that are happening instantaneously in our head, how do we, like, how do you, I guess, teach kids or how do you personally navigate all those decisions to decide in every instance how you're going to go forward? 
Yeah, it's it's all about experience. Um, you can. There are some people who who just have super powerful jumps. I have a kid. He's uh, I think he's 16. His jumps are way more powerful than mine. He's 16. I've been doing parkour for 20 years. He has way more powerful jumps. Like, but he has less control. Right? He has less understanding of technique. Um, so his experience is a little lesser. So it's um, it's one of those things where when you're deciding the right time to do something or the right way to do something, you have to kind of take all your experiences in hand. Think about the progressions that you've worked on over time uh, and just kind of, again, using the experience that you've gained from your own uh, training and the experience that you've gained from other people's training. Because again, observing, you're, you're using the same mirror neurons as if you're doing it yourself, right? So, um, yeah, communication with others over time will build the experience to make that decision a little bit easier, right? Like, again, you're hanging out with friends who can do something bigger than you, but you're like, I know my limitations, but like maybe you can help me work on something, else, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a tough thing. <laughs> it Well, it is because it's there's no there's no black and white answer like there's no right answer to that question it's there's so much nuance and discernment just in situation to situation um but i'm always curious just how people how people make the decisions that they make mm-hmm. and i guess the other curiosity would be how do you bounce back from failure without letting the anxiety get in the way because i think that often with success or with going after anything, sometimes we can be really hyped up and we go after it, but then we get knocked on our ass. And then the anxiety or the fear of that happening or of something worse happening can Mm -hmm. keep us from wanting to go forward. And this is something that I, I didn't really understand until I had my first accident. I had a horse accident when I was on a cross country trip and I I don't, this is not like something to brag about. Um, but I had never been to an ER like until my thirties, this was the first time I'd ever been in an ER. And so I guess I didn't, I didn't even realize that I had these thoughts of invincibility and I didn't process it until after like a good couple months after that, um, it changed the way that I do things. Like I train in Krav Maga, I train in Muay Thai boxing And before that accident, I was pretty comfortable getting thrown around, tossed around, like going at it and fighting. And I just, there were bruises and I didn't care. After the accident, I found myself a lot more anxious and hesitant. And it was like, it sobered me up to realize like, no, I really could like lose my ability to walk or I really could lose my ability to live my life the way that I live it. And I don't know that I love this enough to make that <laughs> worth it. So it, it did like mess with my head a little. So I'm curious if you've ever experienced that, or if maybe you see kids experience that the first time that they fall or fail, like how do you navigate those anxieties to get back up? Yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting. I actually end up talking about that uh, in my book too, because specifically helping children to get past uh, the fear of failure or the fear of when you've already failed, right? Because there's there's two things, this fear of failing in the future, and then there's fear of doing something that you've already done before, right? Um, so we talk about that, and I think the the thing that I teach them most is regardless, try it, and if you fail, it's not a big deal, especially when we're, we're, when we're learning right? You're, we're not sending you two stories in the air to jump on a rail that's this thin. Like you're learning this high above the ground. It's okay if you slip and fall, like you're going to, that's how you learn. You can't, you're not going to come in on day one and be amazing, period, right? So the only way to succeed is to fail a thousand times. You're, I mean, if you get it on first shot, like probably luck, (laughs) possibly skill, but you're you're gonna fail and it and it's okay 
I'll say that there's like one big injury that I got that uh, made me nervous to do some things. Like I broke my neck back in 2016. I'm trying a double side flip. I was uh, visiting a friend out in California. I tried a double side flip and I got lost in the air and I opened early and landed and um, broke the neck two places. Um, Didn't know it was broken for five weeks until I went to the doctor and he was like, you got to, you got to wear a neck brace, dude. <laughs> um, but after that, like, will I try a double side flip again? Eh, probably, probably don't need that. But has that stopped me from learning new acrobatic moves? No, it's, it's a matter of like setting your limitations, but not, not allowing it to hold you back entirely. Like we're always going to, be afraid of something and it's okay to be afraid it's just not okay to let that fear control your life like you figure out how you can work around it like what small things can you change to still be working toward that goal maybe you just weren't ready i just wasn't ready for that double side right i'm sure i'll try it again but (laughs) i'm gonna be way more ready this time (laughs) um and in a safer environment so yeah, it's if you're afraid you're fear you're afraid of failing, like just do something smaller. Work your way up to it. Right. Or ask somebody who's done it before, like, hey, guide me through this. Help me out. People are gonna want to help. Yeah. I I think that that is such good advice of just starting with something small or even failing at something small. That was something that, um, I really pushed myself to do in my thirties of what are little things that I can try and fail at where the consequence isn't going to be that bad, but Mm -hmm. you kind of learn to rewire some of those childhood beliefs and to realize, you know what, it's going to be okay. If I fail at things, the world will keep spinning. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is really important. And I think the last question that I want to ask you is for the person who is sort of just standing on the edge, what would you tell them? Like, how would you teach someone to try? Try is one of those words that I'm not a huge fan. Okay. Because try implies failure, right? When we start talking about neuro-linguistic programming, to try is to imply that you're not going to succeed, right? So it's a matter of doing it. And then whether you succeed or fail, like that's a different thing, but my semantics. Um, how do you teach people to try? I don't, I don't think trying can be taught. Trying is intrinsic. You, you have to have the will to do it or not. I can show you everything. I can tell you exactly how to do all these things. But whether or not you're going to put in the effort, that's up to you. You know, you have to be comfortable with it. You have to figure out what you need to be comfortable trying it. Whether it's, whether it's watching a million interviews with a million successful people or listening to podcasts that give you all kinds of advice on how to start your own business. Like you have to get comfortable with it. Um, but eventually, eventually you just have to do it. When I'm teaching people backflips, I'm like, all right, cool. There are three steps. Here are the three steps. Uh, and, and now like, there's only so much I can do once I've given you that information, like you have to do it. I'll be here to support you. I'll be here to make sure you don't land on your head, but you have to jump. You have to look up. You have to talk. You have to put your feet under you. I can't do it for you. Right. So it's that, it's that idea of uh, getting them comfortable by starting with basics and then, and then just like, you got to do it and I'm here for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise. And for anyone listening, would love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at embrace the ish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at embrace the ish. 
Success saying fail, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. And if you determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successful-ish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successful-ish. Hey, successful another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful -ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. I'm successful-ish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, put behind me most steps. Had to show the learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through in the past, just look back. Successful-ish, you can see how the contrast fires and wins. Use the past and I bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Figure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see. I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Have a teacher me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals and a few look toasted. Can't take them back cause you already spoke them. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused. Focus, live between success and emotion. Successful another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful -ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. I'm successful-ish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful-ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful-ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful-ish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve.